Welcome to the Sermon Scraps podcast. I'm Josh Taylor. After I preach, I get a lot of hard questions from people who want to know more about the Bible. That is why the Sermon Scraps podcast exists. Each week, I try to respond to those questions from God's Word. All right, on Sermon Scraps this week, I honestly can't believe I'm I'm about to do this, but I told a couple of buddies the other day that why not give it a shot. Um, so around the area in which we live here in Demers, Georgia, which is Habersham County, the um, I guess the local Seventh Day Adventist Adventist Church has done a unbelievable campaign through like billboard signs and like when you go to eat at like a local restaurant where they got TVs up scrolling through ads, you know, utilizing that as well of this concept that forced worship on Sunday is the mark of the beast. And honestly, there's a part to me for those who know my, my, terrible sense of humor that I just laugh about it. Um, But knowing that it's a theological error and I know that it can trip immature Christians up uh, and then those who are seeking the Lord and they don't know what to think about this. uh, I told them I'd love to do a sermon scraps on this. So here it is. So forced worship on Sunday is the mark of the beast. There's so much to say. Luckily, they provided a website link on these signs that you can go for further information. And yes, I researched it and read all of it. And I'm going to first kind of summarize for you the Seventh-day Adventist argument for why forced worship on Sunday is the mark of the beast. And you can look this up on sabbathtruth.com. I say that as a matter of reference, not endorsement. And look for the, under the advanced topic articles entitled the Sabbath and the mark of the beast. Now, what is the mark? Okay. A couple of things. Number one, the Seventh-day Adventist church, while it makes for a great campaign slogan, They're actually not saying that they believe that many people have already received the mark of the beast uh, from the very fact that no one is yet forcing Sabbath uh, or, or, or Sunday worship as the Sabbath. The forcing part, when it comes down to the enforcement of it, then they would declare it is the mark of the beast. So everybody just take a deep breath. We're not there yet. Now, the next part. Why would they consider the mark of the beast, whether it was forced or not forced, why is the mark of the beast, uh, who is like the end time eschatological enemy of Christ and his church, you know, most believed to be like the embodiment of evil, Satan himself. Why would they say that the mark of the beast is Sunday worship anyway? So here's their hermeneutic, their um, interpretation of the scriptures that give us some idea of how they think that. And I can actually sympathize, like I can see the the logic in the hermeneutic, but there's going to be a couple of things we disagree on. So the first concept is that the mark of the beast, uh, the idea of the, the biblical word mark can be synonymous or interchangeable with sign, 
seal or token. That is most certainly true. Like you could say it's the sign of the beast, the seal of the beast, the token of the beast. Okay, so I grant them that. The second part they say is that these sign marks or seals or tokens don't have to be literal or visibly seen. And this also is most certainly true. Um, For instance, the Holy Spirit himself is a sign and seal of the new covenant. So if you um, have repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior, you've received the Holy Spirit and you have received the token of the new covenant. And, And the Holy Spirit evidences himself in our lives, but you're not, you didn't, nobody, like when you repented, nobody went up to you and you know, stamp the Holy Spirit on you. Um, so these marks don't have to be a literal mark. Now, they're also right to point out that in Revelation chapter 7, God puts a mark on his redeemed. The 144,000 of Revelation chapter 7, it says an angel comes down and stamps the 144 with a mark. And it sets these redeemed, this group of redeemed people in the end times there or in the book of Revelation as belonging to God. And most interpreters, no matter, you know, kind of the the historic positions you have on Revelation chapter 7, is they tend to understand that mark as not something visible, okay? Uh, The early church considered it either like baptism or talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I just want you to say there was not an, it's not, they didn't envision an actual stamp uh, on the forehead of the redeemed there. Uh, It was something that was a token that set them apart as God's people. Now, it's interesting to note that that mark in Revelation chapter 7 is placed on the redeems, the 144,000's forehead, okay? Now, if you remember, as you fast forward in the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast, the sign, the token, the seal of you know God's ultimate enemy, right, our adversary, his mark is placed on the forehead or the hand, okay? And what, what the idea behind that is, is it's not that they're visibly placed there, but the forehead and the hand spiritually represent like our thinking, our feeling, and our hands uh, signify our doing, okay? And that's the emphasis there, the work, the labor of the hand, okay? And now the idea is this is where you get to the actual Adventist theology. So I just gave you their hermeneutic for how they can conceive of the mark being it's not a literal thing, it's a symbolic thing, Um, it it, God's people have a mark and God's enemies people, satanic people. I don't mean like demon worshipers. I just meant like those who are opposed to Christ. They have their mark and seal. Everybody see that? Now, you have to ask the Adventist. Now, Adventist, what is the mark of God's people? And this is where we're going to part ways theologically. They're going to, of course, say that Sabbath-keeping in commemoration of the creation week itself and our sanctification is the purpose or the mark of God's authority over his people. And here's what I would grant them, okay? In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, 
Sabbath keeping was essential to the people of Israel. It was a mark. It was a sign. It was a seal. It was a token that they had been set apart as a nation for God's special purposes. I am not denying that. Here's where we differ is theologically when we've entered into the new covenant, Christ becomes our Sabbath. And let me give you kind of the ground zero text. And look, this is where Adventists, they're going to they're going to wrestle with these texts. Okay. This is Colossians chapter two, verses 14 through let's do uh, 17. He says, he meaning Jesus erased the certificate of debt with its obligations. That means what we owe to God that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. So notice the removal of our obligations to God. Uh, and I think this is a, a neat way of signifying the entire old covenant has been removed because Christ fulfilled the entire law or even our Sabbath keeping that we would need to do. He has fulfilled it in his own life and it was, and he's nailed it to the cross. It's finished. He's fulfilled it. And then it says in verse 15, Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. And the idea there that the authorities and uh, rulers probably are talking about spiritual authorities and rulers. So these would be like demonic powers. They were disgraced publicly by, uh, it's just a really a beautiful picture. You have the, the Messiah, the anointed with the Son of God. He is stripped and hung naked on a cross. And who's disgraced? All of his spiritual enemies are. And then notice the practical application, which I, I think is shows you the demonic uh, heresy that's being preached uh, out of the Adventist church. And I, and I say that not lightly. Notice verse 16. It says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink. He's, he's talking about Levitical laws, by the way. Or in the matter of a festival, okay, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Now, just pause a minute and let us appreciate who was saying this. This is the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was thoroughly Jewish, even though he was the Apostle to the Gentiles. Yet he tells the Gentiles, don't let someone condemn you about whether or not you keep the Sabbath. It's interesting that in the New Covenant, under this um, when we've come under the law of Christ, the Sabbath is a matter of conscience. If you want to keep the Sabbath, which is Saturday, in, in good conscience, you're allowed to. If your conscience doesn't, um, doesn't ping you one way or the other about the Sabbath, it's immaterial. It's just a matter of conscience. You're not obligated to keep it any longer. And, and here's the reason why. Verse 17 says, these are a shadow of what was to come the substance is Christ. You say, why was the Sabbath instituted? From a new covenant perspective, we say this, it had everything to do with pointing us to Jesus. That at some point, all of our spiritual labors and obligations would cease. Why? Because they would be fulfilled in Christ. The reality, new covenant was, is that I keep the Sabbath. Josh Taylor, who's repented of sins, trusts Christ as his Savior. I keep the Sabbath every day because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. He is the Sabbath with a capital S, right? So... 
it's not that we deny the Sabbath. We, we are obedient to the Sabbath by virtue of Christ's righteousness. So that it makes the practice of the Sabbath a matter of conscience. Going, if you want to worship on Saturday, great. If you want to worship on Sunday, great. Now you say, why did the early church move to Sunday? And it's really simple because I'm not going to sit here and argue over, over whether Sunday is the new Sabbath. Strictly speaking, the Sabbath is Saturday. Why do Christians gather on Sunday? And it's real simple. It, we call it the Lord's Day. Sunday has been chosen by believers throughout millennia, right? I mean, from the early church on, we see even Justin Martyr in 150 AD write that the church gathered on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. Why? To commemorate his resurrection. That's what we're worshiping. When we come together on Sundays, you say, why are are we differing from the Jews in the Old Covenant from, from resting and worshiping on Saturday? Because we're actually witnessing to the fact, hey, we are no longer under the law. It has been fulfilled in Christ. We are eighth day worshipers, not seventh day worshipers. We're a part of a new creation that's been uh, instituted by Christ, and we've come to commemorate his resurrection and the dawning of a new era. Uh, era. I want to make sure I don't, I don't need a false teaching. So we do not, the Adventist and New Covenant Christians are not going to acquiesce on Sabbath keeping. Um, and, 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 and I think this can be a heresy that has detriment to someone's soul. I think there's probably some good Adventists that may not really know better and they're just doing as they're told. But if you understand the theology of what's being uh, talked about here, I do think it's a grave Christological error because of the explicit statements that this, the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. All right, that that was a part of the old covenant. It's not a part of the new covenant. So let's kind of go full circle and be done with this. What is the Seventh Day Adventist? Why do they say that the the um, that the mark of the beast is Sunday worship? Because they believe that the organization, the end time eschatological organization, that is in cohorts with the enemy is the papacy. They're going to view it as the Catholic Church. And I think there's some good arguments and bad arguments for that. I'm not here to to talk about whether the papacy is the beast political religious organization. All right, that's that's a different sermon scraps. But let's just grant that to them. Let's say that the the papacy, the, the Roman Catholic Church is so far gone that to participate in it is to participate in the in with the enemies of Christ. They're going to say that they're the ones, and in and, and some ways they're, it's true, that they're the ones who moved, quote, worship to Sundays. And once the papacy gains political power over the earth, they'll force everyone to worship on Sundays. All right? And so, and this way, grant, granted, given everything they think theologically, I understand why they would think that. But it's built on a, a heretical, faulty theolo- theology. It's much more practical than that. This has not been a power grab from the Catholic Church, right? The idea is that the earliest Christians that began to worship on the Lord's Day to reflect the very theology I just talked to you about. 
So this has not been some changing of God's law. I think this is an important distinction people can't realize. The, the Sabbath hasn't been a change. It's been a fulfillment. That's, that's radically different. Those words are significant. No one is changing God's law. It has been fulfilled in Christ. And that's why you see the difference in the worship. So um, is there been any scriptural op- authorization for you know saying uh, Sunday is the new Sabbath? No, that's not what the, the early church was doing. It was saying this, we don't believe that we're obligated to keep the Sabbath because Christ has kept it for us. And so in honor of him, we gather and worship on Sundays, which is the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday. And nobody's forcing you to do that, by the way. If you have a question, please email me at joshoutloud.com at gmail.com. Again, that's joshoutloud.com at gmail.com. And if you're ever in the Northeast Georgia, Habersham County area, come give us a visit at Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Demarest. You can find us on Facebook at MT Carmel Demarest and on our website, mtcarmeldemarest.com. The music in this podcast was by Dylan Emmett. And until next time, make much of Jesus. Love you. Bye.